If you have your Bible today, please open with me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to pick up in verse 11 in just a moment. Luke chapter 11 and verse 11, and today we're going to conclude uh, this section of Jesus' teaching on prayer. He began it back uh, at the first part of chapter 11, and he's going to conclude in verse 13. And um, as, as I said last week, I'm thinking about doing a sermon maybe next week that deals with some of the common questions I hear about prayer, and some of them I've even heard recently. Uh, things, things like, well, if God knows everything, and He does, then He knows what I need before I need it, then what's the purpose of praying? Uh, things, things like that. And, and anyway, so we, we might hit another week of prayer uh, next week. But, but today we're going to look at a very short text, only three verses long, and it has one main point. And that is when we pray, we should expect that God will give us good gifts when His children ask. So if you found Luke chapter 11, please stand with me if you're able. We'll pick up in verse 11 and read down to verse 13. Jesus is speaking, he says, Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Jesus begins this, this bit of teaching, and, and he does this oftentimes with parables and things like that, but he, he begins this little bit of teaching with a story, with a word picture, and really gives two pictures that, that tell basically the same, uh, the same point. And that is, uh, the, the, the picture is a child asks his or her father for a gift. He asks, in, in this case, it's, it's something that's not even just, it's not like a, a Christmas present or a birthday present, but he's asking for something that he needs. And the point of this section is that we as earthly parents know how to give good gifts to our children. That's the whole point of this section. In verse 11, he, he, he asks us to imagine being a parent, in this case a father, and your child comes to you and asks you for a fish. Now, obviously they didn't have aquariums back then, so this is not asking for a goldfish to keep in their room. Uh, this is a, a request for food to eat. So this, this kid is hungry. He has a need. He asks for a fish. The, uh, the, the father has a fish. And so, so the expectation is that a sane parent, a good parent, a decent parent is going to supply that food. He, he's going to give that child a fish. And that's the expected answer you see in verse 11. If your child asks you for a fish, if he has a need, and he says, can I have some food? The, the, the same person is going to give that child some food. The good parent is going to give that child some food. Now, why does Jesus make this comparison, this linking between a fish and a serpent? Because he says if your child asks you for a fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. Now, it's not real clear why he chose fish and serpent. It's not a play on words because the words don't sound similar. They're not spelled similarly in the original language, just like in English. They don't, they're not similar in that way. It may be that Jesus is, it has in mind some sort of a fish that looks similar to a serpent. So like an eel looks very much like a serpent, even though it's a fish. Regardless of the type of fish that he has in mind, the point's the same. If your child asks you for something, if, if, it's, if it's for their benefit, if it's for their good, it's not going to harm them. You're not going to give them something to harm them instead of help them. That's the whole point of what he says. But then he changes the image a little bit, and he teaches the same truth with a different picture. He says, this time a child requests an egg. Verse 12, if a child asks you for an egg, you're not going to give him 
a scorpion, will you? Now again, we don't know why Jesus chose these two things to link together. Because egg and scorpion are not related uh, uh, etymologically. They, they don't look the same, sound the same. They don't have the appearance that, that's similar. Um, we don't know why he chose these two things. It could be. Now the ancients, some of the ancient writers, actually wrote about um, a, a white scorpion. And it could be that, that if this white scorpion was what he had in mind, if it, if it was all curled up, it may be the, the, about the same size and appearance of an egg. Maybe that's why we don't know why he linked them. Regardless, the point's still the same. If your child asks you for an egg, you're not going to give him something that will harm him. And, and so, so that's, that's the whole point of what he's saying. You as a parent... Maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're an aunt or an uncle or, or whoever you are. If a child asks you for something, the point's still the same. You're going to give them something that will be for their benefit. You're not going to give them something that's going to harm them. And so then Jesus draws out a lesson from this in verse 13, and he gives us a lesson from the picture. Now, you might remember last week I talked about one of the methods of argumentation that the rabbis would use was from lesser to greater. And the, the, the terminology is something like this. If this is true, how much more than this thing that's greater? And so, so that is what Jesus, the way Jesus argues in verse 13. And he actually uses that term, how much more? So he says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Now let's take this lesson, he, he, he says it in just a sentence or so, and let's, let's draw this out and apply it to everyday life. I want to draw four lessons out of this. Uh, the, the first is, is that the Holy Spirit, this is the, the first lesson, the Holy Spirit's presence in our life is a gift from God. The Holy Spirit's presence in our life is a gift from God. Look at verse 13 again. He says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your, your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus makes it plain, the Holy Spirit is given by the Father to His children as a gift. Now, some people talk about spiritual gifts. And it's, it's, it's a right thing, it's an appropriate thing to do. And, and people tend to fall at two ends of a spectrum. On one end, we have people that, that, that focus a lot on, on what you might call the, the, the sign gifts, and, and they, they focus on the, the miraculous uh, healings and, and different things like that. And, 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 and listen, I think that those things have passed away with the giving of the New Testament, with the, uh, the, the apostles that have passed away. Other people focus, uh, go to the other end, go to the other extreme, and they ignore all that. And they ignore the spiritual gifts and, and the passages that talk about spiritual gifts. And they basically deny, at least in practice, the, the reality that we need the Spirit's help. We can't do the Christian life on our own. We, we must have the Spirit's empowerment to live the Christian life, to be effective in our Christian witness. And so there are some people who, who, who kind of ignore all that. And then there are other people who go to the other extreme. But either way, most people don't talk about, and I, I think don't, think about the spirit himself as being a gift they'll focus on on miraculous gifts or, or maybe even just the the spiritual gifts that, that continue but they don't think about the spirit himself as being a gift 
But this passage says that the, that the Father gives the Holy Spirit as a gift. Now you may notice in verse 13, it talks about Him giving the Spirit to those who ask Him. So then the question is, is that for us today? Do we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to be given to us? And the answer to that is no. You say, well, well Pastor, how do you figure that? Well, well, this was fulfilled at Pentecost. Remember, we are in a different era than what the Old Testament saints were. What happened at Pentecost? Jesus said in, in, in Acts chapter 1, He said to the, to the disciples, He said, Stay in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high, until the, 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 you receive the, the, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. He says, Stay in Jerusalem until that happens. In Acts chapter 2, they're all in one place praying, and what happens? The Spirit is given. They're empowered to speak boldly. They proclaim the, 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 uh, the, the message of the gospel in, in, in unknown to them languages. People heard the gospel. People repented and were saved. And then it, it, Paul goes on in, in Romans chapter 8, and he says in verse 9, he says, However, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Listen to this. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If we flip that around, said another way, if anyone does have the Spirit of Christ, he belongs to Him, to God. In other words, every Christian has the Holy Spirit residing in him or herself. This is, this is not something that we have to, have to pray and, and ask God to give us the Spirit. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart, in your life. And His presence is a gift. It's not something that we're entitled to. It is a gracious gift of God. The second lesson that we see in this is that God will supply all of our needs many times as a response to prayer. God will supply all of our needs many times in response to prayer. Now a moment ago I mentioned that one way to argue is from lesser to greater. The opposite is true. Another way we can argue is from greater to lesser. And here's what I mean. Jesus says that God gives his spirit that is and just just think what is the biggest best gift that god could give you as a christian is it not his very presence in your life and, and so the reasoning goes like this if god will go so far as to give you the best, biggest gift the best gift his presence in our lives in the person of the holy spirit will he not much more give you these lesser things if he's given you the biggest thing, will he not give you the smaller things as well? Now, Jesus says this straight out in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. He says, if you then, being evil, now this, this should sound familiar, it's a, a parallel passage. He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Paul said much the same thing in, in Philippians 4.19. He said that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So how do those things relate? We have needs that come up in our daily lives. Maybe it's a physical uh, a problem, maybe an emotional, a spiritual, whatever it is. We have things that come up in our lives. And we go to God in prayer. And God answers that prayer. with We, we go with with. with Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We let our requests be made known unto God. And God will supply all of our needs. He will answer those.
prayers. As a good, loving, heavenly Father, He will give good things to those who ask. James says it this way in James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 speaks of God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. God gives us what we need many times in response to our prayers. And we can, we, we can have confidence that He will give us those things because He's already given us the biggest and the best thing, and that's the Holy Spirit. Number three, third lesson. God is not going to give us something that's going to harm us. God will not give us something that will harm us. Now, look at this teaching that Jesus gives. There are a couple of related things that stand out. The first is the child asked the father for something good. He asked the father for something that is needed, something nourishing, something for his or her benefit. And the proper, loving, logical response of a loving parent is to supply that need. It's not to give the child something that's going to harm them in some way. Now, I am not saying that God gives us a blank check and says, you just ask whatever you want, I'll do anything. It has to be according to His will. Can you imagine if God gave us everything that we asked for, the way that we asked, when we asked it? It would be nuts. And listen, sometimes kids, they don't know what they're asking. Have you ever noticed that? Kids will ask you for this or that, and they don't know what they're, they don't know what they're asking. And their requests, that they don't know, they don't, don't have enough foresight or whatever it is, and their requests, their asking reflects that. And sometimes we don't know what to ask, and our prayers reflect that as well. God gives us what is good. He does not give us things that will harm us. Closely related to that, He doesn't give us things that look like they're good that end up getting us. And what I mean is, if, if you'll notice, in, in Matthew's Gospel, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus has this same teaching, only there's also included in there... Um, a request for some bread, for a loaf of bread. He says, if, if your child asks you for bread, you're not going to give him a stone, will you? And likewise, if, if somebody says, if your child said, Mom, Dad, could I, have, could I have a piece of that fish? You're not going to give him a cobra, right? It, it, if, if somebody asks you for, for an egg, you're not going to say, here you go. When it's really a scorpion, and when they get it, they think they've got something good, and it turns out to sting them. That would be incredibly cruel. Not the kind of surprise that you want. Listen, sometimes when we pray, I think we have it in our minds that if we don't say things just right, if we don't cover all of our bases, that God's going to give us something that's really going to harm us. You say, Pastor, I'd never do something like that. Well, I hope not. But I wonder if you've ever done something like this. You, you're looking to replace your vehicle. And so what do you do? You pray. Good thing to do. God, you know my old car's getting broke down. It's not reliable anymore. God, please help me to find a late model brand X. And, and God, if it could be 
My favorite color, that'd be great. But the most important thing, God, is if it could have low miles, that'd be even better. But the most important thing, God, is that it's mechanically sound. And by mechanically sound, I mean that it has good belts. All the hoses are good. Tires are in pretty good shape. Bearings are good. Powertrain's good. They've just changed the transmission fluid recently. It's been, it, there's been good upkeep on it. The seats are in good shape. Oh, and God, you remember that one time I had a fuel pump that went out? If it could not have that happen, that would be even better. And what, what are we doing? Now, is it, now, listen, it is good to be specific in your prayers. If you want to have a, 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 a purple Camaro with flames painted down the side, and you want it to have a, a, a great big, big block engine in it, and you want it to go a 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds, and that's what you just have to have if you want to pray it, Amen, pray it. You're probably not going to get it, but amen, pray it. There's a difference between being bold and specific and trying to cover all your bases. Because you think if you don't say just the right thing, if you don't cover topic X in your prayer, God will give you something that looks pretty good, but it's going to have that bad fuel pump. You didn't mention the fuel pump, so that's what's going to go. You didn't mention the belt, so the first time you take it out, you drive it off the lot... Take it from somebody's house, that belt breaks, and you're going down the interstate. You didn't pray about the brakes, and everything else is good, but those brakes, you, they, you need, they're squeaking all the time. You, the rotors are, need turned and all these things. That's why we, we don't want to recognize that, but that's the way we pray. What is that saying about your thought about God? The, the assumption there is if I don't cover all my bases and, and say the specific things and lay it out and pray about that thing specifically, God's going to give me something that's mostly good, but then there's going to be that one thing that he's out to get me with. What does that say about your view of God? That shows that you're not seeing God as that loving and caring and gracious Heavenly Father, but that He's really out to get you. And if He can just... Figure out a way to sneak one in on you. Listen, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us to be bold in our, our coming to the throne of grace. We should be specific in our prayers. But again, there's, there's a difference between being bold and specific and trying to cover your bases because you think God's out to get you. Big difference. Last lesson that I want to draw from this is that we should pray confidently we should pray confidently now the last week's text that we looked at where this man goes to to a friend's house and and he he passes on the the good fortune of somebody coming to his house at midnight and so he goes and he he needs bread for his friend that came and he doesn't have it so he goes to his friend's house and he says hey i, I need some bread and he's knocking on the door and, and all these things that text teaches us that we should pray consistently persistently repetitiously, shamelessly, go to the throne of God over and over and over again. This week's text teaches us that we should pray not just consistently, but confidently. Last week's text teaches us to go boldly to God like we would a friend. This this week's text teaches us to go boldly to God as a father, expecting he's going to do what we've asked. Now, now, he's going to do what we've asked in the best way. And I say that, I, I want to qualify that, because sometimes what we ask for is this, and he wants to give us this. 
or what we have in mind is X, but we haven't even thought of Z. And he wants to give us Z. And sometimes he'll not give us X, and we think, oh, well, God has, God has not answered my prayers. He's not heard me. He's forgotten me. But really, he's got something else in source. It's a lot better than what we can ever figure out, what we can even think about. God, I want you to get this, God is not out to get you. He's not waiting for us to pray the perfect prayer and make sure we cover all possible bases. Otherwise, he's going to give us something that, 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 that looks good, that's really going to sting us. He is, he is waiting for his children to come to him in prayer as, as, as a child comes to their parent. He's not looking for an opportunity to, to, to pull a fast one on us. And again, I almost feel silly saying this. But I have been in churches and I've been around Christians. I know my own heart. And I know sometimes that's the way we pray, isn't it? God is a good, loving, gracious, heavenly Father. He loves His children. He gives good gifts to His children. Up to the giving of His Spirit. And if God is going to give you the biggest thing, it stands to reason He'll give you the smaller things as well. Let, let, me, let me put it this way. Let's say that I had, I don't know how many people are here, let's say I had a billion dollars for each of you. And let's say I gave a billion dollars to everybody here. I'd have a lot of people come to church, wouldn't I? Let's say I gave a billion dollars to everybody here. Would it not stand to reason if I would give you a billion dollars? And you were in line at Walmart in front of me, and you were one penny short of being able to give that thing. He said, "Hey, Jeff, I'm, I'm a penny short. Don't you think I give that to you? If I be good, if I give you a billion dollars, don't you think I give you a penny?" Now I'm not promising God's going to give you a billion dollars. Don't hear that. What I am saying is, if He will go so far as to give His Spirit, which is the biggest and best thing, will He not give you these smaller earthly things? Again, this is not a blank check. This is things that are uh, uh, prayed according to His will. But we all have needs. And as we take those needs to Him in prayer, we can be confident that God will hear and answer those prayers according to His will. Because what does, what does James say? He says, you have not. Why? You can ask not. And, and sometimes when we ask, you say, Pastor, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me because I ask all the time. I ask a lot of things. I go to God and I would say, hey, sorry God, me again. Listen, we should pray, pray persistently. We should pray confidently. But G, uh, James says that sometimes when we pray, we, 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 we ask awry. We, we pray with bad motives. We pray with uh, double-mindedness. Not, not sure, if, am I trusting that he's going to do it? Am I not? Or we're praying with bad motives. We, we're, we're praying so, so God will give us this thing so we can spend it on ourselves. Now, there are certain ways to pray. And I mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again. This This is a promise to the saved. This is God's word to the Christian. God is disposed to his people. This is for the person who has put their faith in Christ. This is not a promise for the unsaved. Because the Bible says, rather than being disposed towards those people... He is angry with the wicked every day. Say, Pastor, nope, you don't, don't go talking like that. 
That's not in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Psalm chapter 7, verses 11 to 13. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. Some translations render that. He is angry with the wicked every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. That's why I plead with you. That's why I call on you week in and week out. Every time that we meet together, I, I, I ask you, I call on you to repent if you've not done so. If you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never turned from your sin, I, I plead with you to trust in Christ for salvation. Not because I'm trying to, 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 to scare you, but the Bible says that God stands ready to judge the wicked. God stands ready to judge the unrepentant. It's not that you're going to, you know, wait till you get to stand before him and see how everything turns out. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 17, you've been condemned already. Or verse 18, you've been condemned already. You stand condemned right now before God apart from Christ. And if you die in that condition, there is no second chance. There is no way out. It is condemnation in hell forever. That is why it is essential. While it is called today, the Bible says, don't harden your heart. Turn from your sin. Repent and believe the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is that you're a sinner. That sin separates you from God. But God loves you enough that He sent Christ to die for sinners. And that He, on the cross, bore the wrath that our sin deserved. That all who would trust in Him would have that sin forgiven, would have Christ's righteousness applied to their lives, and, and, and they would go to heaven. Not because they've earned it, not because they deserve it, but because that is the gracious gift of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, while it's still called today, don't harden your heart. Trust Christ for salvation if you've never done so. Why don't you stand with me as musician comes. As you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the quiet of this time, I want to encourage you, if you are struggling with something, maybe you've been bringing it to God in prayer for a long time, take it to Him again. Jesus said in our text last week, do it persistently, shamelessly. Take it to God in prayer. There's a temptation sometimes whenever we're not sure that God is going to give us what we've asked. There's a temptation to just give up. The Bible says that. Pray persistently. Now there may be a time whenever God does say no. He did that with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul prayed, God, please remove this thorn in, in the flesh. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. And he may do that. But don't give up. Pray for that lost loved one. Pray for that friend, that family member who's off in the far country. Pray for yourself as you 
keep falling into that same besetting sin. Say, but it's such a big request that I have. He's already given you the Spirit if you're a Christian. If He's given you the biggest and the best. It's only reasonable that he would do the smaller. Heavenly Father, as we all have needs in our hearts, we all have those things that weigh us down, that, that maybe we come to you over and over again. Thank you that you don't wear out hearing us, you don't get tired of us coming to you. Help us to be persistent in our prayers, but also confident in our prayers that you are going to hear us and that like that loving Heavenly Father you are, you will answer our prayers in the best way possible, which may or may not be the way that we've prayed it. And God, I pray that you would uh, be with uh, each need that is being lifted up to you today. And for the person maybe who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. And we know that you'll hear and answer that prayer of faith as they come to you and, and they, they repent of their sins. And I pray that you'd help whoever it may be to do that today, to trust Christ alone for salvation. And God, we thank you for your goodness, for your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen.